Hey, Janet. Hey, Kent. What goes O O O? What? Santa Claus walking backwards. <laughs> <laughs> That's a pretty good one. Uh, welcome to Manny versus Mommy. That's Janet Barton. That's Kent Hexum. Did I tell you the other day, Carl said something about Janet Lee Barton? <laughs> Did he? <laughs> yeah. He's like, see, I listen to your podcast. <laughs> Shout out to Carl. That was adorable. We need to put something in like mid episode or end of episode to see if he's still listening. Right? Do you Carl, just listen your code to the word beginning? Is. <laughs> <laughs> oh, or maybe a little hint of, you know, pick up some more Ferrer Rocher. Mm. He had a couple of those the other day and I was like, huh, yeah, you can have one. <laughs> but the funny thing is, I, I set them aside and then I don't really eat them. And so he's like, uh, hello, are you going to eat these? Yeah. He passed on the white coconut one, though. That was my favorite. Really? Mm-hmm. What are you brought to us by this week? Oh, this week I am brought to you by a film that I saw last weekend called Fantastic Fungi. And because of that film, I am now Team Fungi rather than Fungi. I find that more of the smart people, the PhDs, they say Fungi. So I feel more official being Team Fungi. I used to be Team Fungi. Are you Team Gif or... Jeff. Oh my gosh, I'm not. I almost said a bad R word. <laughs> I say GIF. It's a graphic, not graphic. Exactly. Have you seen that video of he's like, maybe I'll go play with my. What did he. I can't remember what he was saying. He was talking about a dog and he was like saying everything with the hard G sound instead of the soft. <laughs> so funny. Oh, a Jolden retriever. I'll go play with my Jolden retriever after this. And he starts saying a bunch of stuff like that. So, so what yeah. was this? What was the movie about that? Uh, mushrooms, actually, mushrooms and mycelium, and how um, the potential to really heal not just ourselves as humans, but the planet is underneath our feet, because there's this mycelium connection of it's like the internet. It's just like every like the brain, how it has all the branches and the neurons, right? like that and they communicate with each other so i don't want to go too much into it because i do want to do like a whole episode dedicated to was the movie information called avatar <laughs> it's very similar to that idea yes it, it, carl and i both independently thought of that and talked about it after how it's like yeah we're all connected and we actually no pun intended stem from mushrooms all of us huh. yeah because at one point mushrooms broke off into the animal kingdom and the plant kingdom but it started from fungi. We're all from fungi originally. It was super cool. I highly recommend the film if there's an opportunity for you to see it. But if not, I'd love to do an episode on it and just kind of talk about the benefits because there was a lot I learned about helping with Alzheimer's. And I already knew about psilocybin mushrooms for treating um, treatment resistant depression is the current study they're doing. And these are like the magic mushrooms, you know, mm. that alters your consciousness is kind of how he worded it well i have a similar experience to the brady bunch movie where everybody turns into cartoons <laughs> have you ever seen that movie no it's one of my favorites it's like a 90s make fun of the brady bunch parody oh. type movie and one of the guys has mushrooms and the brady bunch turned into like a 70s cartoonish type thing oh that's funny. All singing and dancing <laughs> anyway this week i am brought to everybody you're welcome <laughs> by cough drops our air and our inversion oh. here is so miserable that i have to constantly be sucking on cough drops so i apologize now if i cough 
Yeah, my cough has been horrible. I've had it since last week, which was a cold. And now this cough just won't go away. I'm not really sick anymore, but the cough is horrible. I go outside and instantly have a huge coughing fit. I have to wear a panty liner. (laughs) (laughs) Too much information. I've had so many kids. Like I need, you know, just in case. I haven't really needed it that much, but just in case. So I did order a mask from Amazon. Yeah. I'm going to try that and see how that works out. It's a two pack. Can I just have one of yours and we'll get me mine later? I want to try it. I want to try it. See if I can tolerate wearing a mask when I'm outside. Because it's not so bad when I'm inside. You know, I don't feel like I get enough, you know, as much exposure. But I actually saw a friend post on Facebook that it was the worst quality air in the country. Like last week. It is so bad. It said the index was over 150. And I don't know what that means. I don't know what that's relative to. But it's it was the worst in the country for that day. Oh, yeah. Okay, so I thought it'd be fun if we read an article that our friend JC Archer posted not too long ago. Ooh. I love JC. Um she's a little bit a couple years younger than me. I realize it's like a decade after I said right. I was like, wait, a no, couple she's years like a younger, decade. yeah. It's over oh, a decade. I'm old. I think. Yeah. Anyway. But just really kind of funny. I I feel like you almost have to work for her friendship, which I kind of enjoy. <laughs> Cause I don't know. She's just an interesting person, and I really like interactions with her. They've always been a lot of fun, because it's not just a, oh, we're best friends, let's have fun. It's, what can you provide for me for How do you make me <laughs> stimulation a and, yeah. you know, entertainment? And she posted this, and I was like, oh, here's the insight into it. Introverts don't hate people. They hate shallow socializing. Mm-hmm. So this is an article on introvertdeer.com by Rachel Ginder. I almost said grinder. <laughs> Rachel Ginder. Maybe it's Ginder. Ginder. And so she says, I like to make jokes about how much I hate people. As an introvert, it's easy to do. The stereotype of introvert is backed by countless Facebook memes and pop culture references. Think of the animated character Daria with her oversized glasses and book in hands, or that catchy quote from Charles Bukowski, I don't hate people. I just feel better when they aren't around. <laughs> These memes quotes exist for a reason. They're funny and relatable, and I've enjoyed sharing them just as much as anyone else. But there's a darker side to them. They can also serve as a coping mechanism for those who need an excuse to hide behind. Let me explain. It's the whole, I'm too cool, I'm too school for cool persona. Mm-hmm. Isn't that backwards? I'm too cool for school? It should be cool for school. Well, she says I'm too school for cool. Because <laughs> she's that cool. Persona. Now I just have the Dario theme song playing in my mind. (laughs) It's easy for me to say I spend a majority of the party playing with the host cat because people there weren't half as interesting as the books that I have at home. (laughs) It's harder for me to admit that getting past the barrier of small talk ranges from somewhat daunting to downright terrifying. So I oversimplify and say I don't like people. When I act when what I actually dislike are surface level interactions of most social gatherings. And what I'm hearing her say is that it's difficult to push past that small talk. Is that because it's anxiety producing? Is it overwhelming because as an introvert, she doesn't really know where to go from the small talk? Because I, as an extrovert and as someone who's in sales and like, 
I just start asking questions. People love talking about themselves, even introverts, especially introverts. I don't know. But yeah. I find that I just start asking questions. Is that something that but that's more as an, an introvert? That's like an introvert's dream because it's not that shallow level. You're not just precisely the weather is nice, da, 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 you know, and that's why I think I have such a hard time with cashiers because yeah. I know that they're just asking the same questions that they've asked. It's just kind of a routine that they're in. They don't care. They don't care how my day is. They don't care. If I found something, I still want to say, why are you hiding? What are you hiding? <laughs> yeah. But I, did you find everything okay? When they ask you that? Yeah. Why are you hiding something? <laughs> why are you hiding things? I still things? need to say that. I'm but excited. I just, I hate the shallow, like, you don't care how I'm doing. You don't care how my day is. I'm in a hurry. Let's go. And see, I am the kind of person that will try and shake up that script and ask them a question that, or give an answer they're not expecting because typically it's, Hey, how are you doing today? Fine. How are you? Right. Yeah. It's that kind of thing. It doesn't mean they don't necessarily care. They're not making the effort. I agree, but it doesn't mean they don't care because there's times where I'm like, do you really want to know? And they go, yeah. I'm like, well, this and this and this happened, or I'm super excited about this. You're the chatty person in line. That's making me wait. (laughs) Deal with it. (laughs) I can do that human connection in that short interaction with a cashier. Even if it's just as simple as, man, you guys are so busy today, but it makes the time go by faster, right? And that's more of a connection because I'm understanding where they're coming from and I'm actually validating and caring about their experience. And so it does create that positive interaction. But I see where you're coming from. I guess I'm just trying to understand because she says it goes from uncomfortable, what are the words she used, to downright Somewhat daunting to downright terrifying. Okay, daunting, terrifying. So that tells me that trying to work through, what did she say? Like work past that? It's harder for me to admit that getting past the barrier of small talk ranges from somewhat daunting to downright terrifying. Getting past the barrier. See, and for me, I just, I don't even see that there's a barrier there, right? Because going from small talk to something more meaningful is super easy for me. So for her, it's not. Well, let's that see. What I'm she, she says, we've all been to those parties where the sole purpose of the event is for everyone to break into small groups where they talk about sports, the weather, or the host's second cousin got her hair done. It's moments like these where it suddenly becomes very important to find out if there's a pet that you can play with or when all else fails, perhaps a large potted plant to hide behind. If there's a drink to be fetched or a bowl of chips to be refilled, this task will instantly become the sole purpose of my existence because literally anything is better than small talk. And see, I'm thinking, well, why don't you just find one person to talk to then and have that connection? Because I don't mind being in the group. I, in fact, I don't love it when there's a big group around talking or a smallish group, you know, eight to 10 people having a conversation kind of about the same thing, volleying back and forth. I don't love that. Sometimes it can get into more meaningful conversation, even, you know, with ideas and thoughts being shared and vulnerabilities. But more often than not, I'd rather be talking to one or two people you know, and having those more intimate conversations. And maybe it's because I seek those out, but that sounds nearly impossible for her to do, right? And therein lies the problem that has kept thousands of introverts awake until all hours of the night. Because being an introvert doesn't mean you want to be alone all the time. But unfortunately, in order to meet people to share your inner world with, it's necessary to go out and socialize. In order to get those coveted discussions about life goals, creative passions, and the existence of the universe... You sometimes have to start with some small talk, no matter how painful it might be. Precisely. 
how else are you going to start a conversation, right? But it's like, hey, I've been asking around. I'm curious on your thoughts on this, you know, or, you know, you go to the simple stuff at the beginning, right? Mm -hmm. Which is the small talk that leads into now you're more comfortable talking to me because I've asked you several questions and you've answered them and disclosed, right? Yeah. So that causes that level of connection because of a little bit of vulnerability. Where are you from? What do you do for work? Do you have family here? Really, what brought you to Utah? I always say what brought you to planet Utah. But you don't necessarily have to care about the superficial things, but you do have to listen and pay attention, right? So that that trust level's there. And then it's more of a conversation. You know what's frustrating, though? When you get in those situations and they don't reciprocate the question, you know, you're asking about them and they just don't know how, which I think happens with introverts. Yeah. But I don't mind driving the conversation and letting them talk about themselves. People would rather talk about themselves than listen to me talk about me. And sometimes you'll meet someone who genuinely is like, no, tell me everything. My brother-in-law, Al, actually, the first time I met him, he was just so 100% engaged in what I was saying. Mm -hmm. Really? How long have you been doing that? These follow-up questions that showed that he was really listening and that he cared to dig a little bit deeper. Well, that's got to be really interesting for you. What have you found to be the biggest challenge? You know, being a working single mom or, you know, something like that. Yeah. And so that genuine care. And, and at the time he's like leaning forward in his chair, 100% focused on me, eye contact and like hanging on my every word. I felt so special because I got to talk about me and he was genuinely interested, which is tough to do. <laughs> so I'm a, I'm a pretty good balance. I think of introvert and extrovert. I'm more introverted than extroverted, but... I can go and be an extrovert and have fun, and that's fine. One thing that's worked really well for me, an example I can think of is I had to take a new a new friend, so a complete stranger. We had a mutual friend, Connie, who wanted us to meet her up in Salt Lake for a team building thing. So she's like, will you pick up my friend Alini and drive for, you know, 45 minutes to an hour alone in the car? <laughs> And then come meet me here. And I was like, mm, okay, like, I'd rather drive by myself and just listen to a podcast. But, you know, I understand. Okay, Hope I can yeah, do it. Yeah. So I go and pick up Alini and I, you know, I'd never met her, had never really heard much about her. And she's Brazilian. And so instantly, you know, I'm like, oh, that is so interesting. You know, you have this whole other perspective that I don't have because I've born and raised in America, in Utah. Right. So the first thing I did is when we got into the car, after the initial awkward, like, hi. Nice to meet you. I'm Connie's friend. How's your day going? I'm Alini. Great. Come get in this strange guy's car. Let's go. <laughs> but the first it's... thing I said was, tell me everything about your life. And she's a big, big extrovert. I absolutely adore Alini now. You know, we've been friends for a couple of years now. But the entire drive went by in a flash because she told me everything about growing up in Brazil and yeah. da da da. And so we get to the the event and I'm like okay stop this is what you just said and I wrote down what she just said we go to the event for a couple hours and we're kind of socializing with other people and doing other trainings and things we get back in the car and I'm like okay you said and I repeated her sentence <laughs> go and the entire drive home she just finished her life story that's so and awesome. ever since then we've been really good friends so I think that that's a lot that's really true that deeper connection tell me about your life yeah just tell me everything go and if, if it's an introvert who may not go on and on and on, mm -hmm. all you have to do is keep asking questions 
And if you're engaged enough to ask the follow-up questions and be engaged in the conversation of, really, I didn't know school was like that in Brazil. So what about this? You know, and just mm-hmm. kind of a, a follow-up to get a little bit deeper into that, you know, particular aspect of the conversation. And and you, even though you're more an introvert, you are an extrovert enough that, and genuinely interested in people, that you can com- keep that conversation going, asking those questions. I think that's the only thing that drives my extrovert is just curiosity about people. Uh-huh. If I wasn't as curious about people, I wouldn't go and ask them about themselves. Yeah, that's true. Okay, so she continues to say, As an introvert, I view socializing much like I view other aspects of my life that I know are good for me in the long run, but really aren't very enjoyable in the moment. Do I want to go to the gym when I could just stay home and watch Netflix? No. Do I really want a salad for lunch when I could have a hamburger? No. Do I really want to go to a party when I could curl up in bed with a book and a cup of tea? Okay, that one's a (laughs) no-brainer. However, to reap the rewards, you have to put in the work. It's all about balance. Just like I thought I might treat myself to a piece of chocolate cake as a reward for all those days I went to the gym last week. I'll spend a quiet Saturday night at home because I already know that I put in a night of socializing and interacting with people outside of my comfort zone on Friday. Yeah, I love that. Finding that balance. And see, I was trying to talk to, um, I think I was talking to Chuck. Or maybe I was talking to Carl about, I think I was explaining it to Chuck about extrovert versus introvert. And I was like, it's how you recharge your battery whether you do that by being around other people or you do that by being alone you know and doing things that like that self-care you know self-care for me a lot of times is being social it's going out it's being around other people that fills my bucket being alone is nice every once in a while but I don't need it to function yeah and for Carl as an introvert he needs the alone time to function. That's how he recharges his battery. And sometimes it's going to be social at a movie by himself. You know, he loves going greatest. to Tuesday night movies. I love that he goes to movies by himself because I do too. I oh love yeah, it. he loves it. And I, I like going to movies by myself, but movies are not my favorite way to unwind or fill my bucket. Yeah. I don't even watch a lot of TV, although season three of The Crown, oh, hello. Helena Bottom Carter is Margaret. <gasps> I cannot get into the crown. I have tried and tried. You're not a big British procedural guy, and mm-hmm. I just love stuff like that. I I, I like love the... learning about the crown and about the monarchy in general. It's been amazing. See, and I would rather watch like a documentary about it. Like I oh, watched... see, that's too much for me. I want. I like the dramatization. I like the focus on the characters. And I've watched so many documentaries about like the Romanovs and how the whole Russian government was formed and stuff like that. Interests interests me. Yeah, and I love it. But if it was a dramatized, I couldn't do it. There's no way. And yet you like Downton Abbey, which is, I, I don't know, amazing. you know, I mean, it's not like a historical fiction kind of like but this I, is. Yeah, but... I'm not trying to get information. And then see, when I watch The Crown, I have to go and Google things and like, OK, how did this really happen? What really is the story here? Uh, I've Googled a couple things here and there. Like, I think I looked up when uh, Wilson became prime minister because he was apparently one of her favorites and that's not how it works out in the beginning at all they get off to a really rough start yeah but he ended up being one of her favorites and it's he's a numbers guy and she's like non-emotive completely and so it was just a good fit everything was logical and based on numbers and can i confess something yes i kind of have a really hard time with the royal family in in england (gasps) why 
because I'm an American. It's my right. <laughs> you know who's the most obsessed with the monarchy? It's not the Brits. It's us. Well, it's the Americans. Yeah, it's the Americans. Because if, I don't know if you know much about the Romanov family or their downfall. So Romanov, he actually was cousins with the King of England at the time. And I can't remember the king's name. George. Okay. One of the Georges. No, it's the Queen's Edward. father. What's the Queen's George. father? Oh, George. <laughs> it really is okay. George. So, I think it was, it should have been him. Timing seems about right. 40s? Yeah. 30s, 40s? And they actually looked very visually similar because they were cousins. Mm-hmm. And so he was like, hey, uh, uh, Romanov was, you know, so focused on his son who had really bad health and his focus wasn't strictly what was going on with this country and, you know, Rasputin. There's a the whole thing. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> once he realized it's too late, I can't save the monarchy. I can't save our government. We need to get out of here. He petitioned the King George of England. Can we come and have asylum in your country? Mm. Because of the unrest in England at the time. And they were worried that the crown was going to, the monarchy was going to be overthrown in England as well. That's why they changed their name to Windsor. Mm-hmm. The House of Windsor. The House of Windsor, more British sounding more. So he told his cousin, no, you can't come and you can't have safety here. We're not, we're not going to protect you. So essentially he sent his cousin to die. Wow. Because they could have gotten out, hopefully. He knew enough ahead of time, like, hey, this is coming. I want to bring my family. I want to leave. It's unavoidable. He was told no. He really didn't have anywhere else to go. I don't know if he petitioned Germany or you know any of those other places, but his family fell, and historians believe this, in large part because his cousin said, no, you can't come here because I'm worried about my own monarchy. Can you blame him? I mean, family over the entire monarchy? Like, come on. I don't know. That's that's why I could never be I'm a monarch. I'm not a monarchist, though. I, I, you're born into it and you just get it because you're born? Great. I don't anyway, necessarily agree with it, to... <laughs> but for George to protect that tradition and the monarchy, that was his duty. He was wearing the crown. But why is it an important duty and why is it even a duty he should be doing? And see, because that's their culture and that's how they do things. If they, you know, I don't know, Romanov went down. And so in one way, he saved this monarchy, but got rid of that one. So, yeah. you know, is and it a draw? And implications worldwide and just how that plays into history and the shaping of so many things yeah it's a lot i like downton abbey because it's a fun happy show lighter yeah it's just a lighter and you become connected to not only this rich family but also their servants that are serving them and you like both and you root for both and you know yeah it's multifaceted like this article i'm going back to (laughs) we're circling back (laughs) I never would have met some of my closest friends if I chose to stay home and read all the time. Those relationships I have now were worth the anxiety and the apprehension I felt about venturing out of my comfort zone. Unfortunately, finding those kinds of relationships is very rare because socializing doesn't always have tangible rewards. Sometimes I leave an event feeling drained and wishing I had never left the house. Other times I might feel that it went okay, but I know that the surface-level conversations I held all evening probably won't lead to any life-altering friendships. Which is fine. I mean, how many life-altering friendships can you really have? I, you know, I don't care that the socializing I do is 
acquaintances that I might see a couple of times a year or, you know, because we run in the same circles or I see them for a, a long period of time as a group of friends and then don't. That's okay too. But without those experiences, like she said, she wouldn't have the lifelong friendships that she has. But that's okay because not every conversation or anything <laughs> out has to be life altering. I am a genius. As an introvert, it's my natural tendency to always want every interaction to be about establishing lifelong deep connection. But I've learned that that can put too much pressure on the average casual conversation. And I feel like your motivation you... for the conversation is different than my motivation for right. the conversation. Yeah, which I get because you're always wanting those real deep connections. And like you said, is this person going to be a lifelong friend? No, then I don't want to waste my time. Yeah. Which is so interesting to me because even if I learn about this person for five, ten minutes and we have that connection, that's impacted me forever. Even if it just, it, even if I don't remember it, just being able to connect with, a, with another human being. See, and I get that. I mean, like, great. So you just had a connection that you don't even remember. What was the whole point of it then? To have that little connection. Like, but you don't even remember it. So why put forth the effort? Because how, how does that interaction not ultimately affect me at my core? If we're talking mycelium and that little connection happens, how does it not actually impact both of us? Even if it's just in that moment. Maybe introverts are just not moment people. And that's okay. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. I'm trying to explain where I'm coming from. So being an introvert and trying to be extro extroverted is very revealing. It exposes you. It feels like an exposure. And to mm. feel like that exposure when I was exposed meant nothing to you. And I had to go through all of that and it doesn't mean anything to you. Because that I don't remember like it, it and it doesn't mean anything to me. My intention is completely different. I fully experience it in that moment. I don't have to remember it for it to impact me. Right? I mean... Then what's the whole point? If you just want moments of good, like... There's one I don't just do want it. moments of good. Don't put those words in my mouth. You're like, all or nothing. I'm not saying it's all or nothing. I'm saying what motivates me for the conversation is being present and feeling it in the here and now. I don't have to take it with me consciously forever for it to mean something. Not to me. And your motivation is for it to mean something forever. That's the ultimate goal. If you can't get that, why bother? Well, why would I be vulnerable if it's not going to make a difference? It does make a difference to me. In the moment, but not in the moment. Like after the moment, it doesn't mean anything. So why is that a bad thing? Because I feel like you've taken a part of me that doesn't that I can never get back that you don't appreciate and is being disregarded. Because your intention is different because ultimately you have to remember it forever for it to be valuable. How can my view not just not be different? <laughs> this is why it's Manny versus mommy right here. Because it. Uh, I understand how it feels that way to you, but can you understand how it feels that way to me? I, f I feel differently about it. And it's okay. I'm not doing it to be rude. I'm doing it because my intentions going into the conversation are different. But even the casualness of you being like, and it's okay. It was like, that feels wounding. Wounding to you. To me. Because I don't remember the interaction forever. Let's say we're passing strangers on the street. And we have this moment waiting in line together, which I have a lot of these moments. Waiting in line together there's some kind of connection, oftentimes with the long line, right? Or the weather or whatever. We're having the shared experience. 
and I have this shared experience with this individual in that moment, even if all it did was make them smile or I got a laugh out of them, that's worth it to me. And, and if it is this vulnerable moment of I lost my husband three and a half years ago, so I'm sorry to hear that you're going through your loss or whatever it is, it's in that moment and it's brief. And if it impacts them in a certain way and me in a certain way, why does it need the judgment of it doesn't matter, right? Like I get it as an introvert. Because when you disregard it so quickly or casually in the introvert's mind, it doesn't mean to them it lessens the experience. So it wasn't an actual connection. It was maybe something to check off the list, something to pass the time. It wasn't what I thought it was. Why can't it be? Why can't we have a different experience of the same interaction? I'm not fighting that we have to have the same experience. I'm telling you what it feels like to a person who is already feeling vulnerable and putting themselves out there to have it come back and be like, eh, it just was what it was, what it was in the moment. And it's fine. Well, but then the introvert sees it as a waste of time if it doesn't become a connected long-term relationship. Well, that wasn't realistic from the beginning. Necessarily a waste of time. It was a waste of vulnerability. How is it a waste? I, I guess is what I'm saying. In my mind, there's nothing ever wasted because you don't know how it impacted me. I get it. If you have somebody who's totally cavalier about it and is like, goodbye. Yeah. You just shared all this intimate stuff with me and I'm calloused and rude and don't care. You know, it's a difference between having a conversation at a party for five or 10 minutes and really connecting with someone and standing in line together for five or 10 minutes and having that conversation. Yeah, to but me, I think that's the different. motivation for an introvert is to not have a momentary connection, but to have a longer connection. And if, if your resources are that. that limited with the vulnerability and the level that you can give, absolutely save it, respect yourself and don't share that vulnerability in line with somebody like me who's trying to chat you up. But why? Why what? Why are you trying to chat me up? Why not? Do you want me to entertain you until you find something better? No, what's, I want to have a conversation and genuinely that? I can get to know you and have that connection in that moment for five or 10 minutes and be okay. That fills my bucket. It helps me as an extrovert and as an introvert. If you don't want to share your vulnerabilities, then don't because generally I'm not asking deep questions if we're standing in line together, right? I'm not, I'm genuinely not trying to pry into your life because what right do I have to ask that vulnerability of you? When you have a limited resource of it, of the ability to be that vulnerable, I wouldn't ask that of you. It's casual, which you don't enjoy because it seems like a waste because we're not going to be lifelong friends because we met in line at Walmart. You know what I mean? So for me, like, I don't know, I respect not sharing the vulnerability, but then you, then you take it to the other aspect where you meet at a party, you've got mutual friends there's potential to continue that connection, which we've done, right? We did it with Lindsay and Jody and, you know, our friends from Vegas, right? There was the potential for that relationship to continue and it was worth investing in. It was worth the vulnerability. And for me, if that relationship hadn't continued, I wouldn't have known what I missed out on, right? Because I would have met with them that one time and then maybe never again. But because that connection was there and you're so good at maintaining those relationships 
I, that's why it worked. I wouldn't have done it so, on my own. So, from an introvert perspective, devil's advocate, because that's my favorite advocate. You just love arguing. I do. Um, so what I hear from that is you want other people to fill your bucket and then you can move on. You're good to go. But are you concerned about filling other people's bucket in the way they need? Absolutely. And how do I do that? By not asking vulnerable questions of an introvert. If I can tell someone, because I'm a pretty good read of people. Not everybody is. I get that. Some extroverts probably just take, take, take. Narcissists are the extreme of that, right? Mm-hmm. I don't I don't say that to imply that I don't want to fill other people's buckets. I'm just saying that that experience does validate me. So I'm sorry it's not valid for you. Does that make sense? So you're like, well, what's the point? Well, it fills my bucket. <laughs> so are you not interested in filling my needs? Because it could go both ways, right? Because I think part of the way that I respect that is not asking vulnerability of an introvert, not pushing them beyond their limits. Because if I can tell it's somebody who doesn't want to talk to me, I'm not like, listen, I need my bucket filled. I need to interact with someone. You need to talk to me. I'm going to keep talking to you, even though I can tell you don't want to talk to me. I'm so excited. I don't do that. (laughs) (laughs) Side note, what made you think of that? We're just talking about filling your bucket. There's a housewife and OC that that's her thing is filling my bucket. Mm. So I, I guess my question is, as a major extrovert, how do you view introverts? How could I, as you say, how could I generalize? You hate generalizations. It depends on the introvert. Am I talking to someone who is more like an ambivert? Who's kind of a crossover between the two? And ambient I can... pervert. <laughs> ambient pervert. That's all I think. Um, and, you know, am I having this interaction with somebody who is close to me in my life or who's a stranger. Like it totally depends how I see introverts now is a lot less judgmental than it used to be because trying to understand the other side is so hard, whether you're an introvert trying to understand an extrovert or vice versa. We're finding that in this conversation right here, right now. So I've come a long way from being judgmental of, Oh my gosh, why don't they want to go out? Like, you know, it's, it's personal attack against me. It's because they don't want to spend time with me. Or there's something wrong with them in some way because they don't get their needs met this way. And I've come so far in respecting that that's how you get your needs met. I really try and leave you alone on the weekends because I know that it's your downtime. You want to do your own thing. I mean, we're friends, of course. So things come up and we'll text Mm -hmm. each other here and there. But if I need something that's like, hey, um, you know, we need to get the dentist appointment scheduled or whatever. I don't do that on the weekends. Oh, yeah, we need to get a dentist appointment scheduled, by the way. For Sam, yes, yeah. we do. But I don't text you stuff like that on the weekends. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And try to be respectful of that time because I understand introverts better than I used to. So how do you view extroverts? I mean, you're you're kind of middle of the road. Well, I think but... I, you know, I'm a genius. So of course. I think I have a good view on both. So I'm trying to sit in just an introvert's chair. Like just, because I get the extrovert side of it. But the introvert side is, it's really difficult to be vulnerable. And you see an extrovert walk into a room and is there jealousy of why can't I be that way? Yeah. Is there just exhaustion from being around an exhaustive person? Because in a lot of ways, an extrovert can be very exhaustive to an introvert. Yeah, that's demanding is what I was thinking when you first started talking about. It's just, it's demanding, it's draining. Mm-hmm. for you to be that social and like you said give that vulnerability 
because it is such a stretch outside the comfort zone. And then you have the, you know, how does society view, is it wrong that I want to just sit at home and not do anything? Because everything's geared towards going out and having fun and da da. Yeah. That's not fun for me. I don't want to do that. So there's a lot that comes into play. And I think introverts maybe are a little more introspective. Which is so hard for me. That's outside my comfort zone. To sit quietly in my own space by myself is really a stretch. It's a challenge for me. I sometimes will make myself do it, but to sit down and do my journaling, haven't done it. (laughs) Not caught up at all since the last time I said I'm going to finish it by the end of the year, which I will. (laughs) I still will. I'll find a way even if I have to sit for an hour and You've got a nice drive to and from San Diego. Yeah, but I don't love journaling in that space. I mean, writing in the car is, first of all, really hard because I am handwriting it. And I, I do genuinely want to be introspective. I want to push myself in that way. Because sure, I can sit down and write and, hey, you guys stop fighting. Mom, can I have the goldfish? Sure, here they are. You know, those constant interruptions. I could still get it done. But I want to go to that space that's hard for me as an extrovert to sit alone and be introspective for a period of time with no interruptions. So flip that for an introvert. <clears throat> it's hard. It's difficult to go into those exactly. situations, circumstances. And that's what I'm saying. You know, I can see the other perspective and, and respect it a lot more than I used to. Because I understand now with all the interactions I've had with introverts and kind of coming to an understanding of what's comfortable for them and what works, taking a step back and not pushing to say, come with me. You know, like I I know people who have moments where it's just what they need. They're too drained. You know, they're too exhausted, whether it's physically or emotionally or whatever, even if they're normally an extrovert. Yeah. Right. They still have those times. And I think introverts have those times where they've been alone way too long and they just need some human interaction. And generally what they're looking for is going to be that deep connection with their close friends or family so do you think that a reason maybe the introverts read so much is because they can kind of control how much time that relationship has with a book you mean with a book yeah yeah, that they can because that's still kind of a relationship with yourself Mm -hmm. i mean you're staring at a tree basically hallucinating right isn't that what we said about reading (laughs) you're basically staring at a dead tree hallucinating because you're reading these words and creating this experience but it's still an experience with yourself right it's your interpretation Mm -hmm. it's your view of the characters or the information coming in it's your perspective and you're right you can you can decide how quickly or slow you want that experience to go and how long to live there it's interesting such an interesting viewpoint because i do have days where i'm so introverted i don't want to do be around anyone and then I have other days where I have to be around everyone and what's and you're on? so what's good on? at recognizing it you know and communicating it there's times where you're like I just can't do it and there's been times where you say I just can't do it and then you come out anyway you know and yeah. those are fun nights too but I think it just depends on the balance especially for somebody like you who's both it's so interesting I'm so glad I'm a Gemini you get to be both both of everything best of both worlds miley cyrus style let me see if there's anything (laughs) else i want to share from her article sometimes it's just about staying in practice with my 
albeit limited, people skills until the day when someone suddenly wants to talk about their dreams and goals and all things that makes them tick. It's impossible to know where a conversation will lead unless you try. I'm aware of just how ridiculous my socializing philosophy will sound to some extroverts. To them, socializing itself is the end goal. My extroverted friends are always looking for something to do on the weekend, during the holidays, and even on work nights. They pursue, they pursue socializing for the in-the-moment excitement that it brings. Hello, that's what I was saying. For me, attempting to socialize is a long-term goal, one that I carefully craft and balance so I don't get mentally or emotionally overwhelmed. Going out is rarely exciting for me in the moment, but I always have hope when attending a party or trying a new networking event that I'll make a friend who is dying for a quiet cup of coffee while chatting about life, or who wants to take a trip to the beach just so we can lay side by side and read in complete silence. Because <laughs> that is spending time together to an introvert. Yeah. You know, Greg, I'm, I'm realizing more and more was way more of an introvert than an extrovert. Um, as far as, you know, he was very social, um, very extroverted that way and loved going out and being with people. But it got to a point where he boiled over without realizing it because he didn't have those boundaries in place of saying, no, I need to stay in. And so it would get to an extreme and blow up. And, you know, it was sometimes not very pretty. But then he'd have some time by himself because he pushed everybody away angrily, right? Mm -hmm. And now he can be alone and get that need met. So I'm realizing more and more he was definitely an introvert as far as needing that to be okay. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like innately. When I socialize, I'm not looking for a way to just pass the time. I already have a full list of hobbies and interests and not enough hours in the day to enjoy them all. But I'm always looking for a new person with whom I can share my passions and my world. Sometimes meeting that one new person can be worthy of agony of socializing. (laughs) And sometimes it does feel like agony to socialize. I like to think that I'm the kind of person worth socializing for. And I know that I'm not the only one of my kind. So my fellow introverts, please occasionally put down your books, go out, and search for people who make socializing worth it. Because I'm not out there looking for you. Oh, because I am out there looking for you. I was like, uh, rude. <laughs> I Dyslexia thought... how I wanted it to be. <laughs> I visualized it and I said what I wanted. Yeah, I like that. You know, just finding... That's what I'm talking about in those social situations. Finding that one person who does want to have that personal connection. You know, and talk about deeper things than just, meh, 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 what's going on with sports ball and all that kind of stuff. Good that sports you get. Game. Yeah. Or, you know, whatever it is that's just kind of superficial stuff, but getting more vulnerable because they are out there. And I'm an extrovert and I'll still, I'll go there and it'll be great. And if we have a lifelong connection from it because you're an introvert and you make that effort, great. I suck at making that effort. I really do. And that's one of the things I've been working on recently is finding ways, I think I mentioned it, finding ways to have those deeper relationship connections and stay connected with people. Because I'm not very good at it. So an introvert hearing that says, I will only matter if I make the effort. If I don't make the effort and that's to that person, so not true. I won't matter to them. That's so not that's true That's exactly to me. what it sounds like. Though. I know that's what it sounds like. It's not what it feels like yeah. to me. Not at all. Because if I didn't care about you, I wouldn't want to talk to you later. Right? Like I would not want that relationship to continue if I didn't like you or didn't care about you. But then why did it take you a couple days to answer my text message? <laughs> See, an introvert has a lot of introspection like that, it. and they yeah. will have a lot of evaluation of... Because they live in that inner world. They live inside, and I don't do that. I live in the outside world. 
all the time. That's where, that's where I experience life because I'm an extrovert. And so for me to go into my head that much, I just don't do it. So now tying it all together, you're an extrovert. (laughs) Carl's an introvert. I'm an ambient pervert. (laughs) Ambivert. How does that work with your kids? Because some are extroverts, some are introverts. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's a balance, you know, it's a juggle to figure out how to get, help them get their needs met, you know, because some of them do want to be alone reading and they're totally fine with that. Some of them do both. They want to be interacting with the family. They want to go do things and and be social. Um, Sam comes to mind for the ambient pervert. Um, But some of them are total extroverts and need their, you know, need that stimulation, the social interaction. So it's just, I think most of it is just knowing them as individuals and what helps them so that when I can see they're having a hard time trying to help them get their needs met by them being alone or by them being social, you know, and helping them see that and make that call. But I think to take it a step further is the language you're using. How so? What do you mean? Be really aware. Because when you would say things, what I'm hearing from you is this, but unless I make the effort, I don't matter. Yeah. That's not what you said. But in my introvert head, that's what I heard. And, you know, depending on the day, do I want to make the effort? Do I want it? Or I'm not worth it. Why would I make the effort? Yeah, just let so it you, slide. So there's a lot of internal dialogue, which obviously we can't control when we can't. We have no way of knowing what the person's saying internally. But right. different phrasing and thing for an extrovert, don't think twice for an introvert, that changes everything. Yeah. Well, and I think the same can be true the other way. Yeah. Because I have introverts that communicate things to me that I'm like, what? What? Is that what you're saying? No, that wasn't what I was saying at all. You know, it's just that that level of communication. But like you said, as an extrovert, my go-to would be, it's not worth my time to make sure that I was communicated effectively because I've already moved on to something else. You know what I mean? And and in that respect, yeah, you don't matter because what you said upset me and I'm like, whatever. My go-to at that point is to check out rather than to challenge it. So I think it can go both ways. And everybody's different, right? There's all kinds of different combinations. It's not just you're in the introvert bucket, you do this. You're in the extrovert bucket, you do this. Everybody's different. You're all about the individual, right? It's a spectrum. Yeah, everything's a spectrum. But yeah, the individual matters and, and the relationship is dynamic too. You know, it's always going to be fluid and changing and you're experiencing things in so different ways. as way. an extrovert, what would a good, solid, healthy relationship with an introvert look like to you? A balance for both of us. The introvert being okay with me going out on my own because they don't feel like it and me respecting, I know you don't feel like it. I'm okay with you staying home and there's no resentment there either. I'd really like you to be here with me at this event if you can swing it, but I understand if you can't, as long as there's a give and take. But what does that look like to the introvert who has let you in to see you gone? I'm giving them the time that they need as an introvert. That's my intention. I'm not saying goodbye. I don't want to be around you. I'm saying I'm going to this event because it gets my needs met. And I'm not dragging you along. You get to stay home and be alone to get your needs met. But I don't want to be alone. I want to be home with people 
that I've let in. Which I and do. I enjoy that space. Yes. Let's watch TV together. Naked. Let's hang out. Not you and I. Gross. My partner, right? You know what I'm saying? But yeah, there are things that you can do in, on the introverted side, staying in and making dinner instead of going out, for example. Or I don't feel like going. Okay, I'll stay home with you. You know, we can just chill here or you can still do your own thing here. And I'm stuck doing my own thing because I want to make sure your needs are getting met. Because oftentimes the not going out thing doesn't mean spending time together still, especially in a partnership, I think, where it's just like, I don't want to go out, but I want you here, but we're not really doing anything together either. Does that make sense? Because for an introvert, reading your own book and doing your own freaking thing right next to somebody else is getting that need met. That's what I'm hearing. Yeah. And I wasn't even thinking about you and Carla. I was thinking more about kids and dynamics that way. Mm. Because there are so many different... You know you have a lot of kids, right? I do? Yeah. Compared to what? The Duggars? No. I don't have a lot of kids compared to the Duggars. Compared to, like, the world? (laughs) Well, it's all relative. That's all I'm saying. Mm, I love Leah Remini. She has a show called It's All Relative. So in relation to with your kids, though, how does that balance? How does that play out? Making a sincere effort to help them learn how to get their needs met. And I don't necessarily need to be a part of their introversion, I don't think, as far as like sitting there reading a book. It's more the one on one conversation, I think, that gets their needs met. You know, Have you thinking, asked them, though? And that's what they've said? Or is this what you're thinking? You're asking what I'm thinking. Are you assuming that I've asked every single one of my kids if they're an introvert or an extrovert and how I can help them get their needs met? No, I'm not that good of a mom, Kent. Why Why is this news to you? Jeez. <laughs> oh. And off I go down that spiral of I'm not a good mom. That didn't take long. Introversion. Extroversion. I think it has a lot more of our playing to our day-to-day lives than we give it credit for. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's that subconscious primal brain stuff that drives us. Yeah. It's That's nature. That's not... I mean, it can somewhat be nurture. We can adapt. We can revert back to the original. We talked about that personality profiling, you know, but that innate part that you're born with... It, it comes with you before you're born. You're wired that way, right? Mm-hmm. And what you do with it depends. But I agree. It really drives a lot of what we do. A lot of our personality traits do. What we're motivated by, what our triggers are, where we go during conflict. A lot of that's just already wired in there, whether it is from our upbringing or from the way we're born. It's a lot. Heavy subject. Let's debate nature versus nurture. And monarchies. <laughs> Let's debate everything. <laughs> it's good just to, to debate. We don't really debate ever. We, yeah, we haven't really done much of that. It can get pretty heated. It's kind of fun. <laughs> <laughs> and the funny thing is we don't ever really come to a resolution. We just kind of mm. go, all right, well, that's your view and this is my view and thanks for sharing and I, thanks for coming to my TED Talk. <laughs> I can appreciate where you're coming from better than I did before, you know. We just take away what we're going to take away and then that's it. You do know that even if I agree with you, I still will devil's advocate and fight oh, on your side as hard as I can. No, I know. It's so fun for me. And I never, you're so committed. My... 
you're so committed to it. I don't even know which way you really believe. Like, I wouldn't know if you and I agreed, if even if you said it. Like, I completely agree with you. However, here's the other side. Even if you did that, I would believe that you flipped. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you just get so into it. That's Should have been fun. on the debate team. Oh, you could have been a master debater. <laughs> <laughs> that was frowned upon in my house. Uh, anywho. I just, I think I fully, I don't fully, I think I want to fully appreciate that I have so many different personalities. <laughs> don't admit that. I'll admit you. <laughs> so many different because I can fully jump into the extrovert side and mm-hmm. or I can fully jump into the introvert and that's a lot of with a lot of things. I can't jump into introvert. There's just not that part of me that, you know, I think that's why I get so bored in a bath. I gotta have my phone now. Maybe that's why I didn't love baths before because there were there was nothing to entertain me. Yeah. You know, it's just me in there, sitting there, thinking, feeling. No. <laughs> Drown myself. <laughs> Why? Why would I do that? But now, I, I was in the bath last night, I think, for 40, 45 minutes. I was wow. so bad. It was so bad, I got out of the bath. I've done over an hour recently. But I, I got out. Yeah, it used to be five minutes, max. I got out, and it was the first time, I think, ever in my life that I wanted to put on a big heavy bathrobe just the, like a soft bathrobe I've never liked that feeling of it on my damp skin Ew, right yeah. like I can't I have to make sure I open the bathroom door and air all the humidity out before I put my lotion on before I get dressed like I can't do yeah. the humidity which good thing I live in the freaking desert <laughs> I, w- I would never be dry in Florida or Texas or whatever I can't I miss uh, it. it's like a warm wet hug oh gosh no but I genuinely was like I feel like I need a big fluffy like hotel bath, you know, not hotel my own because yeah. those are gross, I think. But, you know, just something to wrap around me because I was that like cold and clammy because I'd been in the bath so long the water got kind of cold. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, I'm not heating it back up. I'm going to be out in a few minutes and ended up sitting another 10 minutes. <laughs> it's fine. I don't know how we started talking about that. Oh, the introverted part. Introverted being able to jump into that. I just can't do it. I can make myself, but I can't fully engage in it. I'm always aware of myself making myself do it. Like, but I, it's yeah. not comfortable. It's just not the same because I can make myself in your shoes. I can put myself in your shoes and make myself try and see your viewpoint, but it's not, it's a fake. It's not a real, but you can jump into the extroversion completely. Yeah. That part of yourself. That's what I'm saying. I can't make myself, yeah, that's what I, I'm saying. I it's so hard because ease into it. It's not. It's not your way of doing things, right? Just not how I function. <sighs> Any feedback you guys want to share? Great introversion, extroversion, we kind of what more debates what makes future. you work? Yeah, <laughs> let's find some more topics we can throw at each other. If you guys have any ideas you'd like to hear us debate on, let us know on social media. We'd love to tackle whatever it is you can throw our way. You know what we should do soon is a like question and answer. That would be fun. About us. Yeah. What people want to know. But maybe only Carl will write in. <laughs> <laughs> That's fine. Carl, let us know. Carl, let us know. Carl, your code word is banana. <laughs> Hammock. <laughs> Princess Consuela. <laughs> we love you guys. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.